G'day everybody, it's time for an LJ and Redders AFL podcast. Sorry it's been done on a Friday, just uh, had some other commitments this week. Without any further ado, journalist with the Wimmera Mail down there in Western Victoria and Horsham, Lucas James Holmes. Hello mate. Evening David, evening ladies and gentlemen. Yes, uh, great to be with you once again David. We're about, what, an hour and five minutes away from the first bounce of the uh, mouth-watering semi-final in, Me- in Melbourne and Carlton. So plenty to go through it in what was a uh, fascinating week in the world of football David. It was, and and before the results, we're going to go straight to a, a a polarizing issue, which was absolutely fascinating to watch unfold. For those of you that didn't watch it, Angus Brayshaw from the Melbourne Football Club was streaming down the middle of the MCG, and tough cookie Braden Maynard from Collingwood came in to smother Brayshaw. Brayshaw's kicked the ball over his head and Maynard's jumped into the air to smother him in a genuine attempt to smother. And then what happened after that exact moment in a very, very short split second, which became important in the tribunal hearing, was utter chaos. Maynard's gone into the air and cannon into Brayshaw. Brayshaw, who's had concussion problems repeatedly, knocked out for two minutes. Okay, two minutes, everybody. It gets interesting. Um, Viney gets his uh, Jack Viney gets his shirt ripped off in in the tug in in the tug of war that happened. So this happens. The game happens. Then it goes to the match review officer who says no case to answer, and the new executive manager, executive manager of football, Laura Kane, sends the matter straight to tribunal. Lucas Holmes, and we'll talk about tribunal in a minute because it was a four-hour sitting. Lucas Holmes, it was facet before we go to the results. This was an absolutely fascinating case. And everybody, I've got to declare here, I'm a casual employee of the AFL, so I've got a certain things that I can say and can't. Lucas is free. I've got to be very careful what I say. Lucas James. You give me a bit of creative license. That's a little bit scary, isn't it? Um, and but... that's the way it's got to be. I can't, I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't sit there and, and have my cake and eat it too. No, no, and, and, and fair enough, saying the position you you are in at the moment and you and I were both in last year, so fair enough. So, But, yeah, exactly. It was, it was a fascinating week, wasn't it? And I think but before we get into the case and things like that, I think it comes to the core of it, and we saw it more with the Toby Bedford hearing last week, David. That took, what, a week, 10 days for the case to be heard. The Maynard incident occurred on a Thursday and wasn't heard until, what, Tuesday. So... That's what four four days before before it was heard. So I think there's a little bit that may have to change in that instance um, before we get into the case itself. But yes, um, you ran you ran exactly through uh, what happened with the case, David. And as you said there, uh, match review officer Michael Christian saw, saw well didn't say anything off it, but didn't put any uh, charges out, David. But as you said there, Laura Kane and and I believe it was the right thing to do there. Sent it straight to the uh, tribunal, and there's a AFL statement that I'll try and pick apart in a little bit too to see to see what they made of it uh, as well. But um, with the Maynard incident itself, I'm just trying to find the uh, grading here in front of me as well um, because I've got about a dozen uh, tabs open at the moment, and the grading was as follows. The incident was graded as careless conduct, severe impact, and high contact, which drew the minimum three uh, match ban, which meant it went straight to the tribunal, David, as, as it did. And as you said, there a four-hour hearing. And as you, and as you said as well, and, and that's it's really been the polarising uh, point of it, David. Maynard jumped to spoil. Um, if he jumped a bump, 
um, we all know we all know it would have been a lot more than three games. And I think and, and I think to the what blurred the lines a little bit further as well that he he, he turned David to try and to try and protect himself, um, and that's what. Blur, again, blurred and made things a little bit grey is that the act of turning meant that his shoulder um, made contact with Brayshaw and that, that that's what led to the concussion. So I think, and again, it's sort of hard to go through because there's so many little elements that, that made up that made up the uh, decision in the end. And as you said from the outset, a four-hour hearing that cleared Maynard, that clears him to play in the preliminary final, David, and the AFL have come out and said that they'll be looking at um, action the actions that that have the uh, actions that sh- have unreasonable uh, contact of the head, David, that are caught that are caused by football actions. So Laura Kane has come out in the last forty eight hours or so and said that that they'll be reviewing rules and and the duty of care processes they do at every at the end of every AFL and AFLW season, David. So the fallout from this instance, we won't hear the end of it till probably the at least the end of the uh, of this AFL and AFLW season. Sorry to sort of uh, ramble a bit, but it's it's sort of hard to sort of be to be to be exact because there's so many elements that make up the the decision in the end. Not rambling at all. It's your podcast, remember? And uh, one of the things about you being a journalist and being completely and utterly bipartisan, although, although you're a Collingwood fan, is that you're able to say what you like. You're not only the employee of the AFL, and you can and give give thoughtful opinions, which is one of the reasons this podcast works. It's because I make you look like a road scholar. Um, but a couple of things: there are certain instances in the history of the AFL that have changed rules the deliberate rush behind, which I might add caused an enormous ruckus on Sunday at Blacktown International Sports Park. Uh, sorry, on Saturday, it was huge. Nearly cost the team a premiership. Um, that's one. The uh, I think the Gary Rowan incident where they, they, he had a terrible fracture of his leg where a player had gone in below, that changed the rules. And there's all these things that have changed rules and flooding. This one gets really interesting if they're talking, which not if they are, they are talking changing the rules. That means what I think is going to happen is you're going to get pinged if you leave your feet. Now, Maynard's done everything you would expect of a professional footballer in a very tough game of football against a bloody talented opponent. And don't, don't forget, Brayshaw's a great player too. He's done everything you would expect. And in fact, you probably, Collingwood fans would have, a, 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 if he had backed off that, they'd be saying, what are you doing? Jared Waitley, as he always said, I watched specifically watched the replay because I didn't see it live. Watched Waitley and Robinson talking about it before the tribunal hearing, and Waitley was sort of slightly leading to the fact that he might get suspended, and it was because of that turn of the body, Lucas, that you you mentioned him. And of course, this has happened so quickly when you watch it in slow motion. That's why that judiciaries have got to be held in real time. The whole thing's fascinating. The whole case. So certainly, we wish Angus Brayshaw best, uh, all, all the best because it's put into question his AFL career, to be quite honest. He got collected. What what will be regarded as a legal action? Maynard's intent was to spoil the football, not to bump. He didn't even mean... I don't... Suggest, I, Lucas, we talk about intent in these things. I don't actually believe his intent was to do anything other than stop the football from going past him. But the action has been not catastrophic, but it's been very serious for Melbourne and very serious for Brayshaw 
it's a really interesting test case, which is about as much as I can say. The whole thing's interesting. Um, uh, and I'm not even going to give an opinion on whether I think they got it right or not. I'll just back off that. Um, can I ask you, before we go to the scores, do you think the decision by the tribunal to find Maynard not guilty was correct? And, and again, as being as bipartisan as I can, I think it was. And I, I and I think it boils down to and you and you put it correctly, David, the intent and it and the pure intent, as you said there, and, and Maynard's not one to back off. We've seen that um, over a period of time in a number of instances. Um, and I think the plain intent there was to spoil. The the question there is if you if you can jump straight up and down, David, which in that instance you can't because you 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 you're running at full speed and you're jumping. Collingwood actually had a biomechanist um, form part of their judiciary um, defence, which I thought, well, coming coming from a if I was if I was a neutral fan, is actually quite a smart thing to do because, and it, because it it breaks everything down. You people have got to remember, David. This is done in what a split second when you and it happens with everything when it comes to sport. When you when you slow things down in slow motion, frame by frame, people think you can just jump out of the way, you can change your contort your body in midair to ev- evade the contact. But these think these things these things David and these actions are done in fra- in fractions of a second. The only sport I can think of where play that the rules have been created specifically to look after one player is in the NFL, where there are such brutal rules on if you go anywhere near a quarterback once he's near and let the football go, or if he slid and decided to take a voluntary tackle, which in the NFL you can do, that you've got these 300-pound linemen running at a 225-pound um, or 220-pound quarterback, and they can cause some serious issues, and they've got concussion issues. But that's the only sport where you've actually got to back off, and the expectation is if you let it go, you've got to tr- basically roll away and not hit him. Um, and then you see some of the, the flagging penalties roughing the passer and they're soft as. But anyway, fascinating case story, and you will hear more about this. I'm confident that Lucas and I will be here in 2024 if Lucas is good enough to do the podcast again with us next year. We'll be talking about that because I think it's going to change the rules forever. So it will be an interesting test case. Collingwood 9-6, and a couple of these shoot uh, poor shooting cost teams victory. Collingwood 9-6 over Melbourne 7-11. Melbourne coming home hard at them, uh, come home, came home hard at them. And a magnificent performance by Max Gorn. Absolutely magnificent. Carlton, again, 19 scoring shots, defeated 23. Carlton 11-8 over Sydney 9-14 in a very good game of football. Tough. And both of those games are paid in front of plus 90,000 at the MCG. Ladies and gentlemen, there was something like 280,000 people watch football at the grounds over the weekend. As Lucas and I, I believe, both tipped the card here, I'm pretty confident. Um, I did. I was confident with the Giants. I didn't think the Giants would be that. I watched them. The Giants put them to bed in the first half. They were unbelievable. And their run and carry is fantastic. They face a much bigger challenge and security just weren't quick enough. Um, the Giants' delivery is superb. Whitfield had a great game. He's in great form. And then Brisbane. I watched Port Adelaide come right back against Brisbane. It was fabulous football to watch. And then Brisbane's just put the foot down. Joe Danner has chosen the exact right time in, in what's been a patchy career for mine to turn on a wonderful... He's actually in great form. And he's such a beginner. He's a very hard matchup for everyone, Joe Danner. 
Brisbane, 19 goals, nine. Thank you, mother for the rabbits. Port Adelaide, 11 goals, nine. So that means that Collingwood, now I'm not going to go and speculate on draws because I've got them all wrong this year. Collingwood will play it sometime next weekend to get the MCG. Or is that, that, is, that, that actually, that, it's that done? Is, that, will, that will be, I don't think it's done. I don't think it's confirmed specifically, but it will be the Friday night. Well, it um, should be, but we yeah. all thought that Carlton and Sydney would be the uh, sat one of the Saturday games as well, Louis, to be fair. We did. And then, and then the Br- Brisbane Lions will have a Saturday or Saturday twilight game uh, as their preliminary final. So the preliminary finals, MCG, which there has to be one anyway, and the other other preliminary final at a soon-to-be knockdown Wollong Gabba in, in the inner city of Brisbane. Lucas Collingwood did enough. It was a pretty good game of football. Tough, typical final. Pretty good game of football, and Collingwood would be very pleased because they've a got Maynard and b probably their best player will be available for a prelim, and they get a week off at the perfect time of year. Yeah, it was really a tale of two halves, wasn't it? Collingwood yes. came out and kicked pressure was high from the from the off. They kicked four goals in the first corner, and it really like looked like they could put them away. But as we as we so often see when sides have slow starts, Melbourne came roaring back, particularly in that last quarter quarter and a half, David, and it showed on the stat sheet as well. The The final inside 50 count was something like 69 to 37 or something like that. It's the it's the equal highest uh, inside 50 differential, David, that a side has lost, lost in the final. Um, that, that That's tied with the 2016 uh, final between Geelong and Sydney. Um, so with a uh, with a, a differential of that that high when it comes to inside fifty, so Collingwood's defence held on, David, and as we as we saw, Brayshaw went down. It wasn't even in the first five minutes of the contest. It was what three three and a half minutes elapsed in the game. So they went without one of their better wingers uh, for for a large period of time, David, and they'll have to do it this week too without one of their better forwards too, with Jacob Van Royen being rubbed out for a week with a. Uh, after the ball bump on Dan McStay, who was cleared a concussion as well. So no Jacob Van Royen uh, for the Ds tonight. No Brody Grundy either. We'll go through those sides very shortly. But, yeah, it's, it potentially could be the second consecutive year that Melbourne could go out in straight sets. They'll be hell to pay if they do. Carlton and Sydney, I think everybody, most people tipped Carlton here, but I don't. And this is actually a pretty good Sydney side. They're a very different side without Lance Franklin up front. Carlton 11-8, Sydney 9-14. Um, Sydney did most things right. They would have taken keeping Carlton to 74, I tell you, given how good a form Kurnow's in. Um, and they nearly got home. Poor shooting, basically. But Carlton just too good by one kick. Six-point win to the Blues. Yeah, and I don't think you can really complain from a Sydney point of view. They kept to two goals, six in the first half, David. I think... I've, if you take that from a current perspective, you keep aside to two goals in the first half. You take it every single day of the week. So, and, and when it came on paper as well, I think we all, well most people would have backed Carlton in. They grounded out a bit in the second half. Sydney kicked, well, as you said, with as I said in the earlier game with Collingwood and Melbourne. Sydney responded in their third quarter. David, they kicked five goals to three, and that got them back to fifteen points at the last change. But as we've seen. Carlton, as they've gone in this role of momentum in this back third back half of the season, they just kept the side at bay. And they've got a pretty strong defence too. A little bit underrated in areas too. You see Jacob Wittering, uh, who's come on, well, not come on leaps and bounds, but he had a little bit of a struggle in the back half of the 2022 season, David. And in, in this match, really, with Carlton's run of form, 
He's been outstanding for them, taking possessions after intercept possessions after intercept possessions. Brody Kemp's another one for me that goes under a little bit under the radar in their back 50, um, sort of that second tall. And then, of course, you've got the running carry of, of Adam Sard and the like off halfback. So very dangerous in all three areas of the game, David. And it's going to be, it's going to be a big game tonight too. And you, you can't forget as well, Harry Mackay with concussion as well. So, and Jack Martin had his uh, too much ban reduced to one. So no Jack Martin and no Harry Mackay either for Carlton this evening. It has an effect on your chipping, to be quite fair. The Giants, Lucas and I were reasonably um, bullish on the Giants last week, and they didn't let anybody down. 15 goals, 11-101. And, and that's the key here, everybody, is they kicked a score against St Kilda. We actually, most people would have said, St Kilda would have been happy with 11 goals, 11. You just said to Rossi Lyon last week, I will give you 11 goals, 11. And he'd have, he'd have taken that every day of the week. But the Giants, but the second quarter was one way traffic. It was brutal from the Giants. And their foot speed was phenomenal. Bedford makes a difference. Whitfield had a day out. And St Kilda just couldn't answer them. They've got some good football, St Kilda, but they'll do some recruiting in the offseason. The Giants home by four goals, Lucas. I, well, you, oh, you and I actually tipped the margin against Collingwood. I think we both said eight points and they won by seven. So that's very close. I think I said the Giants by twelve or thirteen points if I memorise it, but I didn't think the Giants had. I didn't think Giants could kick that score, but they did, and they played very, very good football. Yeah, this is the only game I actually didn't see any of live, um, with other work commitments and things like that. But yeah, two midfield balls as you'd expect going at it, as you said there, Jack Steele and Tom Green. Green continues to impress. David's had a real, real breakout oh. season after it. He had he had an extremely good first half of the 2022 season, but then Stephen Canelio uh, said, welcome back, look at me. But Tom Green's 2023 season has been nothing short of outstanding. Uh, Lockie Whitfield, as you said there, returned to form, some run and carry, halfback can push up to a wing as well. And a former Giant as well, Jack Still, he had 38 for the day as well on the Saints side of things. Looking at goal kickers, Riccardi and Max King, kicking three each, Cooper Sharman, Josh Kelly, Jesse Hogan, just a few to kick two goals. But yeah, you and I both said we were fair, we were fairly confident with the Giants, David, last week. Uh, it came to fruition. And after I've returned, uh, another home ground advantage, uh, David, when it comes to playing Port Adelaide uh, tomorrow evening. But a, fa- a fascinating, some fascinating stats coming out of this one, David. That the Jedrios Giants are the first side in VF, v, VFL, AFL history to, in a season to win at 11 different venues. Uh, too, which is which is which is fascinating to look at from a stats perspective. I won't go go through all of those now, but as you can imagine, uh, aside having to travel as much as they do, because they they're often one of those sides that, excuse me, you see them play uh, the Western Bulldogs. It's not at Marvel Stadium every year, David. It's at uh, it's at Mars Stadium down there in Ballarat. So they, not they far get from those, your, not too far from your joint. It's not at all, but yeah, they're one of those sides that get those sort of smaller boutique venues and themselves they play at two home grounds in Olympic Park and down there at the beautiful Monica Oval in uh, in Canberra. So they so they get a fair bit of travel, David, but to win 11, 11, ga- 11 games at different venues, excuse me, in, in one season is fascinating. Actually, it is. It's a, that's a, that, that is a, I'm going to use that in trivia night. I'm going to use that. That'll, that'll stay in the memory bank. That's gone into Windows Explorer in my head. And then the Brisbane Lions just turned it on. The second quarter of this game, some of the best pure attacking football you will ever see. Go and sit down. 
and watched the second quarter of this game. It was brilliant television. God, it was entertaining. They just ripped in. And then the Lions decided, no, nah, we want to have a prelim in, in Brisbane and destroyed them. Brisbane, 19 goals, 9. Port Adelaide, 11 goals, 9. Admittedly, Port Adelaide without uh, uh, Charlie Dixon, but wow, just a superb performance from Brisbane and they get a prelim at home, Louis. Yeah, back and forth, as you said, uh, every every answer that or every time that Port Adelaide looked like they would come back into it, um, Brisbane had every other answer, didn't they? So strong performance from Brisbane. It was tight there at halftime, but as you said, Brisbane just dug their claws in and, and ripped rip the heart out of Port Adelaide in that second half, David. And yes, then they get, they've got a few players coming back in uh, put a put Adelaide for the game tomorrow night, but they're a, a fair bit underdone, so it'll be interesting to see how it all ends up. That's it, a very good statement. It will be very interesting to see how it all ends up. It will be a fascinating uh, series of games this weekend. So very shortly, it's Melbourne and Carlton at the MCG sold out again. Fascinating game. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'd want to be a cafe latte salesman. I'd be, you're making a fortune tonight with those two sides and a red wine salesman. And well, I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> Tough. And then, I, 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 I'm laughing because I'm almost agreeing with you. This is where I'm coming yeah, from. So it was well done. It was well done. And Port Adelaide and GWS um, playing at 7:40 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Note for those of you listening in South Australia, the millions of you that are listening, cough, cough. That's 7:10 Australian Central Standard Time. Okay, so Melbourne's at $1.65, Carlton $2.20, Port Adelaide $1.65, and the Giants $2.20. That's fascinating. The betting lines are identical. So, Louis, what do you got? Um, let's go. First of all, Melbourne and Carlton. Teams and tips, please. Yeah, teams in, of course, coming in on a Thursday evening, which is lovely. So we've got access to these. For Melbourne, of course, a few forced changes uh, for them. So out go Michael Hibbert, who also announced his retirement at the end of the season this week too, David. 197 games to date over two, over two sides, just over 100 of those uh, coming with Melbourne. The rest coming, of course, with Essendon was a pre-season draft uh, selection, I believe, in 2011, um, if I've got those facts right. So a, a fascinating career, of course, uh, changed uh, to, to the red and blue at the before the 2017 season. So great career there for Michael Hibbert, but he's unfortunately admitted this evening. Of course, Van Royen goes out with that one-game suspension, David. And, of course, we've spoken about uh, Andrew Brayshaw at length and uh, Laurie, Bailey Laurie goes out as a sub. Income, uh, in- interesting changes here. Tomlinson and Hibbert was more or less a straight swap. Tomlinson's only played seven or eight games this season, David. Uh, could be looking for a third club, in fact, at the end of the season. You would think James Jordan and Charlie Spargo are the uh, other two inclusions for Melbourne. And, of course, for Carlton, just the one change at the moment. Matt Kennedy uh, comes in with uh, Jack Martin and Harry Mackay out with suspension and concussion, respectively. Yeah, no Silvani. Yeah, even though he was part, he passed the fitness test, over, and they decided to go another way. Yes, and you wonder whether he'll actually stay at... I reckon there'll be a lot of push to try and get him to Moorabbin because he'd be useful for them. Okay. The, I find this game enormously difficult to tip. Who are the best six players in these two teams all together? So you've got to throw in Oliver, Petrarca and Gorn. There's three. Yep. Cripps. And then who are the other two? Who are the other two? Is Kerno one of them? Possibly. Yeah. And, then, and Walsh, Sam Walsh. Yep. So yep. You, 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 
who can influence the game more? And it's because even though they've lost Brayshaw, you throw Viney into that mix. I just, I don't think Melbourne want to go out in straight sets. I just think there's enough about them. And I don't know if they've got an answer, Carl. They've got some good young, they've got good players. But Max Gorn at the moment is the best ruckman in Australia. I Sorry, I've got to say that. He is the best ruckman in Australia at this t- this time. And in the, since he's been the standalone ruckman, he's been enormous for the, for the Ds. I think the Ds will win by like five points just because I think that their elite players may be slightly better. And I don't think Carlton can match up on Petrarca very well. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you there. The interesting thing for Melbourne, though, now is the way they've gone in. You, you, you lose Van Royen, who's been playing as a key forward um, for most of the year. Petrarca's not a key forward, David. He's a high half forward um, for me when he's gone forward. So, for, without the, and they've had issues with forward line structures all year. So, you've got it's basically Tom McDon- the Tom McDonald show in the forward 50 uh, for Melbourne, David. So, they've got to be accurate, they've got to capitalize on the amount of inside 450 entries they've been getting and set shot goal kicking has let them down. I can think off the top of my head, well, there's already those two games um, against Collingwood, David, on King's birthday and the game last week where they've been well below par when it comes to set shot goal kicking and there's been another two or three I can already think of off the top of my head where they've had issues in that area. And when you look at Carlton, David, their strength is on the inside of the contest. I think they might be even the the number one contested ball side in the entirety of the competition, David. I think they're on average plus plus 10, plus 10 and a half when it comes to the uh, contested ball differential uh, throughout the season. They even lifted that against Sydney last weekend, David, to something like plus 25. So it's going to make me, for, for me, one or lost in the middle. And when, and when you look at that as well, uh, some injury concerns for Melbourne, David. Max Gorn's been uh, fighting through a foot issue and Clayton Oliver has been going with a knee injury as well that's uh, that's um, limited him slightly. In saying that, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, David. I th- still think the depth in Melbourne's midfield sort of overcomes their forward line a little bit. Gorn can go forward too. He's not the best set shot in the world. Even though he's more comfortable behind the football, he can go forward and be competent as well. Uh, I'm tipping Melbourne as well, David, and I'll tip them by 10 points. Lucas and I both on the Melbourne Demons, ladies and gentlemen. The second game, I've got to declare an interesting because one of the teams <laughs> of mine is Port Adelaide and GWS. This could be a fabulous game of football. It really could. Um, it's 7.40 Eastern time tomorrow night. Uh, I'm obviously picking the Giants, but more out of more out of heart than anything because the 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 if you're trying to be unbiased and and and, and looking at it from a balanced point of view, probably Port Adelaide would be clear favourites at home. Lucas, what do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I'm edging that way. Um, the, the the only little bit of hazardness in me says with that with that inclusion of Charlie Dixon, he hasn't played a game, David. I think it might be even round. It's either round thirteen or round seventeen or something like that. I want to try and get um, that correct because he has been out for a, a large period of time, David. So that's going to be one. Uh, that's their main change at the moment. They've got a couple of injury concerns as well. The port, Trent McKenzie uh, pulled up a little bit lame with an ankle injury. Todd Marshall too uh, with a hip injury as well, David. So they've, they've got some injury concerns for them. Um, and as well, 
on the GWS Giants front. Stephen Cornelio uh, was a late admission. David last week too had an eye injury in training, yeah. I believe, and they right. travelled to they try they he travelled to try and get up for the game uh, and couldn't. So that, there's your uh, one big in there for the Giants. Um, and again, we I spoke earlier about the fact that GWS have won in eleven different venues on the road, David, but I think. It'll be 90, 95% Port Adelaide supporters, David, at the Adelaide Oval. 98. 98, you reckon? So I, I think, honestly, I think that might be a little bit too much to overcome. And I'll go Port Adelaide, David, but still maybe only two, two, anywhere between two and four goals, I think. I think at the moment there's so much that at Port Adelaide that depends on Rosie and Butters. Wines has been serviceable but not great and I'm not and Dixon's going to be running around half fit he's a big monster but he won't leave the square I just don't see him leaving the square I reckon the Giants are a real show I reckon if they get the right conditions they could run and carry and cause them real damage Butters is one of the best players in the competition he's been superb and I think he'll go top five in the Brownlow that's how good he's been honestly he's been superb but I reckon that the Port Adelaide have peaked. But do they go in 12 or 13 in a row during the season in and around gather round? I just, there's something about the, the way the Giants are playing. I reckon they're on a crescendo and I I reckon they can get them. I reckon they'll win by eight points just because I think that the combinations of the run and carry, um, it'd be interesting to see who gets Toby Green. I think that's interesting. But you've got people like Cornelio, uh, Kelly, b- both Greens, um, Whitfield, who we haven't spoken about, Bedford and Daniel. It's, it's if if there's a problem for the Giants, it's with their key backs. But I, I reckon the Giants can get home. I really do. I've thought about this at length, and, and I really think they're going to get home. So Louie and I are differing there. Um, that game's tomorrow night, and the other game, of course, um, in this podcast will be landing just before you tune in and watch. Uh, yeah, David and, and I, don't, I don't. I don't necessarily think the issue is with GWS's defenders at large. I think it's only at this stage because they're they're wavering a bit when it comes to fitness. So of course, Sam Taylor just came back from that. Well, he, he had a hamstring injury, David, in what round, round twenty four, which is which is weird to say because we're so off, often used to saying it, it's twenty three rounds. So I think it's more the fitness of your key defenders. Jack Buckley's gone a little bit under the radar as well. Um, Sam Taylor recovering from the hamstring, and let's not forget it's Daniel Lloyd's hundredth game as well this evening. And he's that's the best news of the lot is that Daniel Lloyd gets to play, uh, get become triple figures in the AFL. That is fantastic, um, and uh, you know uh, I can't I can't speak more highly of the guy. I know that he's loved at his football club, you, Lucas. From your many years up here, you know how tight knit the Kalanavel Football Club is and that they are a good, strong football club. There's a lot of good football clubs in our part of the world here. Um, and that, that particular football club are very, very proud of Daniel Lloyd. So they should be. He's been he's been a good servant to the Giants. And, um, you know, he's decided he's finished and he gets to play his 100th, which is lovely. Lucas Holmes, <laughs> could you in your wildest dreams have predicted that Ararat had put 25 goals, 21 on the Horsham Saints on Saturday at Davis Park? That's a ridiculous result. I wouldn't have said 25. I would have tipped them, David, and tipped them semi-comfortably, but nowhere near that. They just did not did not let let the foot off the gas, David. Speaking to a few of the 
involved down there during the week. Um, was, they were a little bit un, un, they, some of their key metrics they were down a little bit on in that game against Southern Mallee, which is a repeat. Uh, David tomorrow in the women in football football and netball league grand final uh, up there at Jimbala Rec Reserve. So looking forward to a, a long day of footy, but yeah, not not by that margin at all. They had three of their better players come back in. David Jack Ganley, uh, one of their juniors, has been playing in Ballarat the last few years. He went forward and kicked seven goals. David uh, Riley Taylor, their skipper, is a linchpin. Um, to how they play in their midfield. And Adam Hazlitt hadn't played, David, since round eight. It's an 18-round competition, David, and we're approaching the fourth week of finals and it was his first game back uh, in the prelim. So he had a large period of the year out with an ankle injury, David. So they had three big ins last week and it, and it made the difference. Um, the Saints are a fairly young, youthful side, David, and so the more physical it got, it favoured Ararat to no end. So looking forward to a, a big game tomorrow, David. Ararat are unchanged. Uh, from that prelim final, as, as, as you would expect, you'd be uh, pretty hard done by to get dropped after a game like that. And Southern Mallee have gone in with one change as well. So uh, pretty stock standard for both sides. It's a 220 bounce up there at Dimbula Recreation Reserve tomorrow, David. And they're forecasting 25 degrees. So it's going to be a, a, a warm day for those involved in netball and footy grand finals. Make sure you wear a hat and take some sunscreen, please, Mr. Holmes. Oh, 30... I've, I've been wearing my cricket broad brim hat whilst taking photos, David. So uh, uh, advice taken there. Very good. 33 degrees here tomorrow. 33 degrees in Newcastle for the uh, AFL Hunter Central Coast Grand Final. This will surprise you, Lucas. Newcastle City and Terrigalavoca. Yeah, I, th- I think City are in five, four or five four, of them. Four. From- yeah, the only one they're not is the Men's Shield, I think, which is Maitland and Cardiff. They're in the other four. Uh, don't really ask me to remind who's in the plate with them, but certainly in the women's, it's the old firm derby there as well of Colonial yep. and Newcastle City. But Newcastle, it's five grand finals on the hop tomorrow at number one, and it'll be 30-odd degrees. Uh, Lucas and I have caught a grand final at number one, where it was about 25 degrees cooler than that with a howling 50-knot uh, southerly, which was utterly ridiculous. To, it was just an amazing game of football, particularly Singleton and Maitland, um, uh, in a game in which, the, the, the sadly, the great, the late, great Andrew Scott starred that particular day, if my memory is correct, the great yep. man, and uh, we it's hello to his to, to his family um, out there, and, and our, our thoughts are with you. Okay, yeah, Lucas. And, uh, it, sorry, and a, and a Mitch Crawford Elliott dating too uh, early in the week for you as well. And just just a, a t- something you might not know um, when the votes were read out for one particular game, it was Singleton and Lake Macquarie in the women's. Um, yep. It was. Um, I'm not sure if you you caught up with this. But it was a one vote Lynn and Scott, two votes Kai McBride, and three votes Tory Coburn, uh, Calburn. There weren't too many dry eyes in the house after that. I can tell you, it was pretty. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was, a, it was a difficult part of that night. And every time that the single, that the, the some of the people involved in that, the terrible grit of Grush Rash was called out. Uh, that people were the, that bunch of people in that league are wonderful. And Singleton, the football club, won the spirit of a, the AFL award and got a standing ovation. It was just. Banger McBride was there. Alex Degani was there. It was just, it was, it was a lovely way to pay tribute to uh, people who've been through something that I don't think any of us can actually quite fathom, to be honest with you. Um, Lucas, um, now before I ask about the the A, a-, a- grade netball, uh, tip yep. please, Southern Mallee Ararat. Ooh, that's uh, that that's a tough one. I honestly think the the way that Ararat played last week, David. Um, I think I think they'll be pretty hard to beat. Yes, Southern Mallee won straight through to the grand final, but you've also got to play into account that 
Ararat got to this exact exact spot last year, David. Undef- they were undefeated through the entire entire season. Yes, they got beaten in the second semi this year, but they got through the entire season last year undefeated and then got done uh, by Minya Matara in the grand final, uh, which was led by now Southern Mallee coach Kieran Delahunty. But I honestly think Ararat have got the drive. I think they might be a little bit too polished, David. Um, and then and their and their pressure, their heat on the footy is what won them the ga- that won them that first half last week. So for me, Ararat, David, three, four goals for me. And A grade netball is between whom and whom, please. Yeah, uh, su- surprises here as well, David. It's the Horsham Saints and Horsham Demons uh, in this one. Wow, uh, uh, Saints undefeated all year. The only two games the Demons have dropped. Uh, only three games now the Demons have dropped. Uh, again, Ari have been to the Saints. Um, twice during the regular season and, and once in the second semi-final, identical to the football. I, th- I think the Saints have got a little bit uh, too much pace, David. I think sh- their attacking third will really come up for them. Uh, the, two, the two better defenders in the Demons lineup are out injured. David Marnie Lehman and Ed Salter are out. Salter's been out for the for, for the majority of the back half of the season. Uh, Marnie Lehman got injured in that first semi-final, uh, second semi-final, excuse me, and battled through, missed the preliminal. Uh, according according to some people there, will miss uh, the grand final as well. So Georgia Clode, David and Hatcher medalist, the best and fairest in the netball this season. Abby Hall on the goal attack, um, I think will win them the game. The Saints defence is very strong as well, David, and that will be... Uh, According to the way I'm looking at it, it'll be two consecutive premierships for the Horsham Saints in the A-grade netball. Who won the best and fairest in the um, men's premier division, in men's uh, uh, first grade, please? Yep. So it was joint, David. Uh, a two-way tie, unlike what AFL Sydney's been like the last couple of seasons. Um, joint, David, by Ararat midfielder, uh, Jake Robinson, and by a stall, uh, stall coach, David. He played three areas of the ground. He can play back. He can play forward and play in the midfield too. Tom Eckle, so from stall. So Ararat, Jake Robinson, and stall's Tom Eckle were you? Uh, were your best and fairest, David, there at, in the uh, seniors football on Monday evening? Knowing Lucas, he'll want to be getting over there and watching the preamble on, on KO and Fox, so we'll get out You're of right. here shortly. You're right. Yeah. Now, look, thank you so much for your time. We'll catch up next week again. Um, uh, hopefully this time we can do it on a bloody Thursday night. I think I'll be right that, that, then. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to being in Victoria. I'll be in Victoria for the AFL Grand Final. I won't be going to the game, but I'm looking forward to that very much. I'll be staying with Dad down at Castle, mate. So I'm looking forward to that very much. Yeah, put it this way. Put it this way, David. If it was if it was Friday next week and things going to plan, I probably wouldn't have made it. Yeah, you probably said, know you where can I'm stick your be. podcast. You can stick your <laughs> podcast, Redden. Yes. No, no, uh, okay. no, no. Hoping to get there next Friday potentially. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, my friend, thank you so much for your time. Um, look after, enjoy your football. Uh, thank you so much for your points. It was, I'm really interested to see you drill down on that issue with um, um, uh, the, the Maynard Brayshaw incident. And I'll, the fact that it's going to go, for, it could have re- permutations down the line is fascinating. So thank you for your time, mate. We'll look forward to catching up with you next week. As always, David. Thanks, mate. I'll speak to you then. On behalf of Lucas James Holmes, this is David Redden. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.